and thank you for listening. I'm Jay Lemons. Welcome to Leaders on Leadership, brought to you by Academic Search and the American Academic Leadership Institute. The purpose of our podcast is to share the stories of the people and forces that have shaped leaders in higher education and to learn more about their thoughts on leadership in the academy. I'm delighted to be joined by Ron Rashan today. Ron is the president of the University of Southern Indiana, a post he's held since July 2018, after serving USI as provost previously for eight years. Prior to that, he held academic and administrative appointments at Buffalo State in Buffalo, New York, the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, Texas A&M University, and Washington State University. Ron earned a bachelor's degree at Tuskegee University and master's and doctoral degrees from the University of Illinois. His doctoral work was in educational policy studies with an emphasis in educational history and policy analysis. Ron's academic and professional career is focused on advocating for educational excellence, access, equity, and equality. It's been my great pleasure to have had the opportunity to share a number of experiences with Ron over the past few years. We discovered, among other things, that we both shared time in Aggieland at Texas A&M. And in fact, while not concurrently, our wives both were members of the same team, just not together. Um, it is indeed, as David Lodge noted in his wonderful novel, Small Worlds, um, Higher Ed, the Academy is a small, small world. I'm also delighted that Ron is being recognized as an important national leader as he was recently elected to the ASCU, the American Association of State Colleges and Universities Board of Directors. He's a leader whose influence is already significant, but I know is going to grow in the years ahead. Ron, my friend, welcome. It's a great pleasure to have you here. Uh, Jay, thank you. I'm, I'm honored. I'm excited and also very thankful for this opportunity. So thank you. Thank you in advance for the invitation, sir. Well, you are most welcome. And thank you for um, this as a gift. Um, I think of our AALI um, uh, participants in the BAPA program and the Senior Leadership Academy, the Executive Leadership Academy. Um, these are all folks who I know will value and benefit from this along with other listeners. So I, I want to begin by asking you, um, as I do everyone, to reflect and to consider your own pathways to leadership, in part so that others can learn from your story, and I know in your case that they will be inspired. So Ron, share with our listeners some of what I know um, you have already shared with me about the people, <clears throat> events, opportunities, challenges that have helped forge you as the leader that you are today. It's a huge question, you know, and, and, and as you know, all of us can go on for years kind of describing that path because you want to, you, you really want to pay tribute to the individuals that touched your life. But I, I'll, I'll give you a very executive uh, synopsis of something that touched me immensely. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the first one to go to college in my family. I, to go to Tuskegee was a, a big deal for my mother and father. And that uh, was something that... Right. Raised in Chicago, and your dad was a, a cop, as I recall, right? That's right, right. My 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 father's still living. He's, he's he lives in Arizona now. Retired, uh, served as a police Fabulous. officer in the city of Chicago. And my mom is in heaven. You know, she's looking down on me every day. In fact, yesterday, December twelfth was her birthday. She would have been eighty years of age yesterday. Wow. And uh, I tell you, Jay, you know, both of them, um, my parents, but my mom in particular, uh, wanted me to go to Tuskegee. And I wanted me to learn more about myself, about, uh, about the academy, but also she wanted me to understand more about African-American history. 
you know, know, know more about uh, the, the kinds of rich advancements that, that Black folk had engaged in throughout the South and, and as they migrated to, to Chicago and beyond. And I'll tell you, you know, one of the things that happened to me my freshman year, um, I re- recall vividly, I had, you know, as many freshmen do across the nation, had a, a big brother or a big sister, someone that was serving as a mentor, an upper class person in the, in the, at the university. And I remember that, you know, I was invited to go to commencement that May. And Jay, the thing that touched me that just really hit me hard is that they had these students in these amazing um, apparel, you know, what I, what I now know is academic regalia. And, um, and they were all lined up and uh, they had these, uh, these bars on their sleeves. Now I know it's chevrons, right? And um, they, were being, they were being adorned with this cloth around their neck. And I didn't know what that was, but it was an academic hood. And each one of those students had something read about them. It was a title of a study, their dissertation. And I was learning so much about this, this body of people that I knew nothing about. But Jay, I walked away from that event calling my mother, saying, mom, I don't know what just happened. I don't know who these people are. I don't know what they just received, but I'm getting one. I am going to get one of those, those degrees. And I found out these were students that were you know, receiving their PhDs from Tuskegee in, 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 in multiple areas of academic study. And um, the thing that really hit me is that exposure says so much about our ability, our promise, our potential. And so I will tell you that I pay respect to, to the faculty and staff at Tuskegee University that opened my eyes to, to Ron Roshan, who came from the south side of Chicago, understanding what he could potentially do with his life one day. Um, I'm seeing people that I had never, ever seen before, um, African-American professors, you know, the, the city being governed by African-Americans. Uh, you know, there were just so many different aspects of, of Black life that were being celebrated at Tuskegee on each and every day that I knew nothing about, that I took granted as a, as a young kid. And so I will tell you that when I think about leadership, I'm thinking about, you know, the individuals who, who not necessarily held the, the title of dean or, or provost or, or president, but these were leaders in my life, you know, leading me to understand what was expected of me, leading me to understand what was possible for me. Um, lead, also, but leading me to understand that, that I had a, a life in front of me that could potentially touch the lives of other people as well one day. And so I'll, I'll tell you right now, when I think about my development from Tuskegee to Illinois, um, Janice Barr, James Anderson, Ralph Noble, these are, these are individuals who, who led me to understand what possibility really looked like. And I'll tell you right now, I'm in touch with these individuals um, t- to this day. These are my mentors. Um, these are, are individuals who, who opened doors. And, 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 and actually, Jay, I, I will tell you, pushed me in ways where I became very uncomfortable, sometimes a, a bit angry, a bit frustrated, with them and myself, uh, but but individuals who expected nothing less of uh, nothing less but my best, you know, from me each and every time. And um, you know, I, I I'll tell you one one last thing as I as I describe this, you know, with regard to the the foundation of understanding about leadership in my life, you know, um, the members of the South Side of Chicago, uh, people who are my reason, you know, I'm I am a proud product of the South Side, and I will tell you, you know, there are men and women on my block, in my neighborhood, in my schools, who actually are responsible for making sure that I kept my nose in the right direction, who, um, who, who told my mother if I was doing, if I was even thinking about going in the wrong direction. You know, but these individuals, you know, um, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so who loved on me in, 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 in unconditional ways and provided me 
good sustenance, you know, um, cultural, social, um, even physical sustenance to make me believe in, in the well-being of people and also the well-being of myself. Well, Ron, thank you. Um, I can't help but not reflect on a similar moment in my own life where I came away from orientation at Nebraska Westland, uh-huh. driving 425 miles home with my mom. And I, I said, wow, if I could ever have the ability to speak mm. like Judge Warren Urban, whatever this education is going to cost us, it's going to be worth it. And um, wow, this was one of uh, a very distinguished jurist who I got to say thank you in a mm. commencement speech to, because it was, it was this moment where I saw somebody behave in a way I had never witnessed it. Mm. So similar to your own story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and, and I love, um, you know, the people that you heralded and, 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 and raised up and beginning with your dear uh, mother and father. Oh, um, thank you. No doubt there's extraordinary pride um, uh, in who you are. Well, they're proud, you know, but, but I, I got to tell you, I'm more proud of them. You know, I'll tell you, the older that I get, I begin to understand the significance of their sacrifices. You know, being a father now, you know, as a kid, you walk around and you don't understand that people made intentional decisions for you to be safe, emotionally, physically, socially, culturally, intellectually safe, so that you could develop, you could do something with your life. These were intentional, these were strategies that they initiated on each and every day with each and every paycheck. You know, um, I love my family so, so incredibly much. And, and I'm thankful for, you know, for the teachers they, that they brought into my life. I, I mean this, the institutions that they, you know, they, that they, you know, provided for me to have access to. And my mother, my mother took the library. The public library was a great institution to my mother. She, she said, listen, this is free. And, 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 and oh, by the way, quite often it's empty. Get there. Make sure you occupy, <laughs> you know? So uh, I could go on and on, Jay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean to get to me. I, uh, right. Well, okay. I, I, I fed it right back to you. And I, again, <laughs> we have the space. We're not on a tight production calendar, but I know you're a very busy person. So let me move this towards, um, uh, uh, you know, a subject that I like to, um, uh, I like to frame this question this way. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me, Ron Rashawn, in your own words, what makes a good leader? And I want to always clarify, I don't mean grade B. Mm-hmm. I mean a leader that is good, virtuous, effective, and at the end of the day, successful. Yeah. Well, I, I have been blessed to have had some amazing leaders um, as my mentors, my teachers, and also my bosses. You know, And I'll tell you right now, as I think of individuals who I who I love and respect, uh, each of them were kind. Uh, each of them were accessible. Uh, they were very empathetic. Uh, these were smart people. You know, they, and when I say smart, I need, I need people to understand that, you know, they became smart because they worked hard. They studied. They studied an issue. They studied the situation. Um, they, they reached out to seek guidance and counsel. That's what made them smart. You know, they didn't sit in a vacuum with, a, with the blinds drawn. They had the blinds open wide to receive intel from other individuals who had, who had access to, to, to really important factual information. Uh, these individuals that, that I believe um, became great leaders because they were humble people, uh, extremely humble, uh, knowing that they were not the smartest in the room, that they were, they were other individuals, both older 
and younger uh, that, was, that was smart, uh, that they can contribute. Um, these individuals also, Jay, for me, were not afraid to, to be challenged. You know, being told that, you know, in a very respectful way that, listen, this is wrong. This is not the right way, to t- right way for us to go. Um, this is something that I'm hopeful that you will reconsider. And, and not, not be an individual that would create fear. You know, great leaders are, are not feared. They're respected. And, and quite often, we, we, we get that confused. We think that, that, that great leaders are individuals that, 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 we, that we are fearful of. And I don't think we should ever fear a leader. I don't believe that, Jay. I think, I think that we should walk to the leader, um, that the leader should, should welcome us to his or her space and provide us with the opportunity to, to convey what we're thinking and how we're feeling and how it's impacting um, in constituent groups that quite often are overlooked. Um, but, but those are some of the fundamental characteristics that I believe great leaders hold within their daily, their, their daily repertoire. Uh, and, 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 it's, and it's exercising policy, it's developing policy, but most importantly, Jay, living it, living it as well. Uh, awesome. It, it makes me think about um, Linda Blyken, our distinguished president of AALI, former president at Armstrong State in Georgia. Um, Linda, in working with all of the participants in our AALI leadership programs last year, at the end of the year, began to ask people to do some reflection. Mm. We had all made it through thus far, this pandemic, this incredible period of, of, you know, challenge that is sort of unprecedented or it goes back in our lifetimes, there's been nothing like it. She asked the, 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 the participants to talk about what had been their superpower, what had gotten them through. And Ron, so much of what you described bound up in that answer mm-hmm. about what a good leader is. She said, Jay, it was all the soft stuff. It was all emotional uh, intelligence. It was not um, technical um, or scientific knowledge that got people through. It was the balance of the rest of, of, of that, and just in the way that you described. And um, that, so that really connected it as well for me. And, and, and I think it's true. It's, um, it is um, uh, all the scientific, technical, legal, uh, medical um, expertise has got to be bound up in, um, you know, in these other human qualities that too often are underappreciated. And you're right. How many of us grew up um, with, um, uh, you know, notions that Machiavellian was the, 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 the ultimate guide that, uh, to, to leadership? And um, you're speaking a different language. Thank you. I, 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 I'll tell you right now, you know, it's, it's interesting as I think about the conversations you and I have had, you know, about leadership. Um, and also about individuals that we, we have witnessed. Um, accessibility is so key because our job as leaders, Jay, to me, is to inspire as well. You know, it is to help people understand what potential and promise they hold within their bodies. No matter, no matter what their identity is, we all have a gift. And um, I'll tell you, you know, I sat there at Tuskegee, as I told you before, and, and folks helped me discover something that I did not even knew resided within me. And so... Uh, Leaders, this is our job. This is this is this is our our promise that we must we must live 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 to and live by. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, 
I believe strongly that leadership is not an individual event, mm. but, a, but a team sport. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, President Rashan, are creating and building a team, what do you look for in the leaders that serve with you? You know, Jay, I, I'll tell you, you know, quite often, without question, I'm looking for the same kinds of things you and I just articulated. But, you know, but I really am looking for someone who is interested in serving. Um, I want to know that, that they understand the significance of, of the, the power, the beauty, and also the potential of a public institution that, that, that I'm working at, you know, that I am currently working at. You know, um, I, you know, I tell folks all over and over again that when you look at universities, both public and private, I think that overwhelmingly we get into this space of thinking that, that we own a lab, we own an office, um, we own a classroom, we own a department. You know, because I quite, quite often I hear people talk about my, my, my. And I'm always trying to challenge that notion to help people understand that it does not belong to us. This university belongs to the people. You know, they pay taxes. We go to the General Assembly. You know, we are always seeking both public and private funds to serve the, the, the common good of the citizenry. And so I, I'll tell you, I'm looking for people that, that, that believe in this philosophical understanding and methodology when it comes to working with us as a team. Uh, someone who, who, who believes in the, in the pronoun we, you know, someone who, who really underscores the significance, the significance of, 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 of wanting to run to students. And I, mean, and I mean that, I mean run to students with joy, with enthusiasm, um, with empathy, with a listening ear. Uh, someone who is, who is wanting to serve students um, because they are our reason for having a university. You know, listen, I remember I, I met a friend of mine who, who worked in corporate America, and, and it was interesting that the concept that he hit me with that day was about butts and seats and how important butts and seats are with regard to the survival and the bottom line of their organization and institution. Well, you know, listen, I, I, I won't pretend that universities are not very different. You know, we, we, we need butts and seats, but, but I don't want that to be our driver. I really want us to be drive, driven to understand the significance of a student who is coming, has, coming to us and say, listen, I want to become a physicist. Or a student who says, I want to become a poet. And our job as faculty and staff is to reach both of these students with these very different, different desires intellectually and help them get, to get there. So I want a team around me that's going to be con- committed to that endeavor. You know, someone who's going to recognize that students, no matter if they come from urban, rural, or suburban communities, they, they deserve our attention. Uh, they deserve our, they deserve our honesty. That's what I want from the team that I'm working with, you know? And, and last but not least, be able to be vulnerable with students. Make sure that they, they know that Ronald Roshan was not born with a PhD, was not born President Roshan. I've had a long trek to get to this point. And guess what? Ladies and gentlemen, I've made a lot of mistakes. You know, I have had tears as well as joy within my life. And students have a, they have a right, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, to hear from my, my team and, and myself included, about what that, what that role was like, Jay. So let me stop there. That's wonderful. I want to invite you to provide advice to those who aspire to leadership in higher education. <laughs> well, let me just say this right here. Um, there is so much question right now, as you know, about the, about the worth of a, of a university degree. And I would tell you that Going to Tuskegee, 
going to Illinois, and then being part of academic communities throughout my entire career has transformed my life, has transformed my thinking, has transformed my introduction to people from around the globe, has transformed my ability to understand, you know, how, how much I don't know as opposed to how much I do know. And it's been exciting to be, to be in, 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 that, in that space. You know, I, um, I, would, I would advise our colleagues to take your time. Now, a lot of folks, and myself included, Jay, I was running to the presidency. I couldn't wait. And then all of a sudden you get there, Jay, and you find out how ill-equipped you are and how much more you need to learn and how much more development you need to engage and to become effective and, and to become promising to serve people. Not to become some kind of great iconic voice at a university or a college, but to serve people, to learn how to do that takes time. And so I, I would encourage my colleagues, you know, to, to engage. You, you mentioned several leadership opportunities through seminars. Jay, I participated in each one you, you identified, each one. And, and, and to meet people from around the country, to hear their stories, to learn from them, to, to build a network, to build a, a Rolodex, if you will. My, my daughter calls it a contact list. She says, every time I say Rolodex, I age myself. But to have that available to you at your fingertips, to be able to call people and talk to them about what's on your desk is such an important piece. You know, so I want to say, take your time and learn. And then the other piece, though, too, is become, a, become you, you may think you listen well, but I would tell you, I thought I was a good listener and I'm becoming more and more of a, of a stronger proponent of, of one becoming a student in the listening space. Um, and I'm not just talking about listening to, I mean, listen to everything. Walk around campus and listen to conversations. Uh, listen to students, listen to faculty, listen to hourly staff, listen to community members, but, but make sure you are listening. And then last thing I, I, I will tell you that I, I really think is important is that, and this is, I'm not asking people to be slow about change because we need change, but, but be patient. The kinds of policy changes that are going to impact the lives of people will take time and they, 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 they demand us being patient. They demand us learning how to compromise. They demand us understanding that, that you will not win all the time. In fact, presidents rarely ever win anything with regard to debate and argument and or even positioning. And, and, that's, and, and for me, that's, that should be the outcome. If you're serving the people, it's not about you. It's about the people. It's about the community. It's about the students. It's about the faculty and staff. It's about the, the, the outward constituents that believe in our institutions. Yeah, so I would argue that patience is, uh, is, 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 is such an important component as well. Let me stop there, Jay. Wonderful, wonderful. Ron, if I ask you to name two or three top challenges facing leaders today in mm -hmm. higher ed, what would they be? Wow. Well, you know, you, you and I know this, you know, over and over again, I don't care where you go. Um, I don't care how big or small the institution is um, and, or the location, but, 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 um, but budget is, is huge. You know, um, we are always trying to reconcile the pie that does not shift in size at all. Uh, the, the pie shifts with regard to prioritization. You know, so trying to find ways in which we reprioritize, you know, the, the, the pie is important. And how we do it is important, making sure that we are being inclusive with our discussions and helping our colleagues who, who come to us for, for, for guidance understand why we're making decisions and how we're, how we're deriving those decisions. I mentioned one other earlier um, during our discussion, Jay, and that is, you know, 
The discussion right now about the worthiness or the, the worth of a college degree troubles me it's in so many ways. Way, I, way bigger than demographics, isn't it? Um, oh, yes. Oh. About uh, populations. Yeah. Yeah. Without, without, without question. And, you know, it's interesting because I, as I listen to some of my, my friends and colleagues, you know, around the country who, who are living in amazing communities and, uh, and doing well financially and, and have been exposed to uh, uh, phenomenal um, kinds of attributes to, within their life. And I hear them talking about this. And I'm always asking, did your son and daughter go to college? And immediately, not only did they go to college, but they went to some of the best colleges and universities the globe has produced. And so I want to I just convey to people that, that, listen, you know, when we buy that new car and it depreciates immediately after we drive off, drive off that lot, it's real. It's, it depreciates immediately. I can promise you this right here. As you walk across that stage and, re- and receive that diploma from the institution that you have committed your life to with your hard-earned money, that, that moment appreciates. It gives you greater access. It gives you greater, greater um, opportunity. It, it gives you the ability to do things that, that many, many folks around the globe will never, ever be able to do. But I'm asking you, though, with that degree, don't stop there. Find ways in which we can bring greater access to those individuals who also deserve to walk across that stage. That, that should be our job as graduates of any institution. And so I, I'll tell you right now, Jay, this is, if you ask me, you know, what is one of my greatest callings, you know, as a president, this is it. I am wedded to finding ways of, of great, of creating access to students in communities that are underserved, communities that are in rural areas, rural zip, zip codes, urban zip codes, and, and also, you know, zip codes where kids are finding less confidence in, their, in themselves because of not being exposed to teachers like you and I have articulated during our, our discussion today. You know, those individuals gave us the confidence, the, the wherewithal, and also the introduction that, that we should do no less. And so I think that we should find our way back home in that, in that regard to, uh, to open the doors for additional people to, to, to enjoy the same kinds of fruit uh, that, we have, uh, that we have so, so taken in such a joyous and respectful way, Jay. So I, I, I'll stop there with you. Well, thank you. Uh, it's hard for me not to want to, to jump in and build off of that and to probe a little further, but uh, I, I, I will discipline myself this time knowing and hoping that we'll have another chance somewhere down the road for um, you and I to have that conversation and perhaps even to find a venue in which we could share it with others as, as we do through Leaders on Leadership. But let me move into a little bit of a lightning round where I ask you fairly short questions, uh, a quick series of questions. And, okay. and I invite maybe a little, uh, a little shorter answers, but you've got the freedom to take okay. it wherever you want to go. So, All righty. All right. Who most influenced you? Oh, Jay, my mother, oh, without question. And she's, she's, listen, I talk to my mom every day, you know, wake up and I give her thanks, you know, for her commitment to my life. But yep. without question, she is my angel. Um, she is my, she's my person. Yep. She's, my, she's my lightning rod. And also she is my, my example. Awesome. What book has most influenced you? Oh my God, Jay, not what book. <laughs> or books. You can, get, you can use multiple. You know what? I can tell you two immediately that came to mind. When I was in graduate school, my, my mentor, um, many people know, is Dr. James D. Anderson, um, the great historian at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign. He serves as dean of the College of Education. 
he wrote a book entitled The Education of Blacks in the South, um, um, 1860 to 1935. And I'll tell you right now, during my graduate years of study in the College of Education, this book was so important to me for lots of different reasons. But one of the main reasons, Jay, I, 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 left, I left animal sciences to go into education. I did my, my undergrad and my, my master's degree at Illinois in animal sciences with, a, with an emphasis in reproductive physiology. And going into education, I, I swear to you, it, it just opened up a, another set of doors for me. And, and Dr., Dr. Anderson's book was just so pivotal in my thinking, in my understanding, even as it pertained to Tuskegee and, yeah. um, and, you know, and, and intellectual growth for, for African-Americans, you know, post, uh, post, post-slavery and doing Jim Crow. And so I, I, that book is so important to me. Can I mention one other book too, real quickly? Absolutely, please. And that, um, that is a wonderful one. Um, and it is such a part of your story. And, um, you know, from Janice Barr to Dean Anderson. Yeah, I mean, for, without question, without question. Yeah, yeah. There's another book, you know, and I've only, I got to talk to this amazing scholar once before he died, uh, Ronald Takaki. And uh, Dr. Takaki wrote a book entitled A Different Mirror. It's a, a multicultural history of, 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 our, of our nation. And, uh, and I, I remember being a young professor and this being an assigned reading that I provided my students at Texas A&M and at Washington State. And, and uh, this, this book was so important because it talked about, talked about our nation in such an uh, inclusive way. You know, it provided us with a clear understanding of, of the struggles of, of, of people across race, across class, across geography. And it talked about the building of this nation. And uh, Takaki's work is so pivotal with regard to my development. Um, as a teacher, as an administrator, as as a as a researcher, and I, I'm just so appreciative of, of the work he did while he was while he was with us. What, what, one more time on the title of Oh, I'm sorry, a different mirror, uh, the history of of a multicultural America. Fabulous. Uh, sounds like a a book whose need is greater today than ever. Um, yes, sir. I would agree. I would concur. I'd love to hear a fondest memory of your time at Tuskegee. Wow. One of my fondest memories. I'll tell you, I was a student worker in the library. I worked, um, I was a work study student. And, um, and I will tell you that I, um, I was working in the archives. And um, I did not recognize the significance of the archives. You know, um, it wasn't an archivist myself at at all. (laughs) Wasn't really all that interested in, in history. But I came across, you know, some, um, some works, you know, by, 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 by people throughout the South. And I began to see pictures of, of Dr. King and, and, and I saw pictures of Malcolm X, uh, Megger Evers, uh, Fannie Lou Hamer. I saw these amazing pictures of people that my mother talked to me about. You know, I'm like, she would always drop these names for me, Jay, when I was a kid. And I'm like, mom, these are old people. You know, some of them are already dead, you know? But Jay, all of a sudden I'm in there working as a student and I'm opening these boxes and I'm seeing all these pictures of people that my mother talked about. And I'll tell you right now, these individuals just came to life. You know, reading primary, you know, stories about them, seeing actual pictures of, and these were candid shots. These weren't these, you know, you know these, these shots with, with distinguished people. These are these shots where they were at home or with their children, within their community, you know, doing amazing work to, to advance our nation. So I, I'll tell you right now, um, now that, I am where I am in my life. History means so much to me. And, and at the age of 18, I had in my fingertips all of these archival materials that I did not know the significance of. And so I kind of laugh at that now, 
you know, thinking back, and I always kind of wonder what what was God trying to do to me, or or teach me, or or convey to me with regard to my 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 future, you know, and uh, and I, it's, you know, it just kind of goes back, you know, full circle to an understanding of these ancestors and others who still live with us now, uh, and their significance and their their gifts um, uh, to my life, and I'm, I'm just very thankful for that. Awesome. Well, I ask about memory. Yes, sir. And, uh, and the preservation and the, tr- the sharing of memory is uh, what you described. That's beautiful. Um, favorite campus tradition, some place that you attended or have served. You know, Jay, we started something here when I became provost that um, I don't I don't take full credit for, but but I was part of part of the initiation of this idea. But um, you know, we we have this uh, this thing called freshman convocation, and uh, we will bring the uh, the students together. Um, in, in, in our arena. And, uh, and one of the things that we were doing was actually having them recite the, uh, the, student, the student creed. But I, I felt that we were missing something. And so I wanted the students to actually pin themselves. And so what we started to do, we, we have a lapel pin that's given every year. And what we have done though, is that our student body, um, the students who are in creative, creative art services, uh, majoring in creative, creative arts, they actually compete to find out which pin will be the following, the pin for the following year for the freshman class. And I love this tradition. You know, we have a student who is celebrated. This pin goes in, it goes into the, in, into the university archives, you know, has a year on it. The student's name is wedded to it. And it just, you know, it's a tradition that I think really speaks volumes about, about a student, how they see the University of Southern Indiana and how they see this incoming class and what this piece of art will mean as they walk across that stage and they, they're resetting that creed and they, they pin themselves you know, for, for their duration at this university. I, I love that tradition, I really do. That is, that is fabulous, that, that's wonderful. Well, one of our traditions here on Leaders on Leadership is we like to close by asking our guests to share with our listeners the distinctive qualities, if you will, the organizational DNA that makes the uh, university is Southern Indiana such a very special place for you and your family over now a period of, um, oh, what, um, 11, 12, 13 years? Um, yes, sir. Uh, so tell, tell our listeners about USI. Oh, thank you, Jay. I really appreciate it. You know, we're located in the, the southwest corner of the state of Indiana. Um, USI is um, a special place. It has, you know, just, just about 10,000 students is, 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 is the number of students that we're serving um, at this institution. Um, but I'll tell you that the thing that's most unique about this place for me is it, it, it truly is a campus of care and concern. And so I mentioned to you earlier, you know, that, that we care about students with regard to their physical spaces. Um, we care about them emotionally as well, um, and socially and culturally, intellectually. Uh, we are always finding ways in which we can connect with our students. Um, I'm asking you know, people to make sure you're welcoming across the campus and making sure that you are touching our students, shaking hands and speaking with them. You know, I, I'll tell you that you know, um, coming from a campus, coming, I'm sorry, coming to a campus that is relatively young, 1965 it was established. In 1985, we became independent from Indiana State University. And uh, so we are, we, are, we are a young institution, um, but, but one that is to be reckoned with in the great state of Indiana. And I, I love this space because we are finding ways in which we are bringing students from rural communities and urban communities from across the country, across the globe, to a small haven where they discover themselves and also discover each other. 
So I'm always pushing students to make sure you find someone who speaks a different language, practices a different religion, uh, has a different last name and, and different sounding surname and, and a, different, a different language and a different, a different, different way of being. Make sure that you are leaving here with an understanding of yourself because you are engaging other people. And our faculty and staff do a great job with this, Jay. Our, our faculty and staff are working hard, even discovering themselves as we bring in new, new, uh, new cohorts of students each and every semester. So it's a, it truly is a special place uh, within a special part of the state uh, with a very special agenda and also a very, a very special identity uh, that I'm very, very proud of. Oh, thank you. And I love the notion and I could not agree more. None of us are finished products. We're That's all right. we're all still becoming. Um, yes, sir. And, um, um, well, I'm grateful for the privilege that I had to walk your campus with you and to see um, that uh, commitment um, uh, to engaging and to, um, as you said, um, uh, touching your students um, uh, and impacting their lives. I know full well, I watch students swell up with energy as they encountered um, their president. And thank you. So bless you for that. And thank you for joining um, us on Leaders on Leadership. Really grateful to have had this time together and for your sharing um, your thoughts and your insights and your wisdom, Ron. Uh, let me um, uh, uh, say to, uh, uh, to, to you and others that we welcome suggestions and thoughts for leaders um, we should feature in upcoming segments. You can send those to leadershippodcast at academicsearch.org. You can find our podcast on the Academic Search website and wherever you find your podcasts. Leaders on Leadership is brought to you by Academic Search and the American Academic Leadership Institute. Together, our mission is to support colleges and universities during times of transition and through leadership development activities that serve current and future generations of leaders in the academy. It's been such a special joy for me to host President Ron Rashawn on our show today. Uh, Ron, thank you for joining us and please have the final word. Oh, Jay, let me just say one last thing and that is thank you also, but I should close by your listeners understanding that it is truly an honor for me to be here with you all today. Your time is so valuable, your time is so relevant, but it's also an honor and a privilege to serve as president of this university. I don't take this for granted. This is, this is truly an honor to be able to serve people to serve our students so they can go out and serve additional people. So thank you for allowing me to be here today, sir. And, uh, and thank you for also for highlighting the University of Southern Indiana, an institution so deserving. Thank you, Jay. Well, Ron, thank you. Um, and thank you for serving as you do. Um, and I know um, that um, um, our listeners um, uh, will be benefiting from your wisdom. So with that, thank you. And we look forward to another episode of Leaders on Leadership. I'm Jay Lemons.